welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Joe, I got to say the most exciting thing of the weekend was the sporting event that was the most exciting thing in the world. The World Cup final was Sunday. And I just, I and I think I'll dig into this on the backside of this conversation. I can't remember something that's lived up. I mean, that was two great teams and teams that had a lot of hype coming into the tournament. Here they wind up in the final together, which isn't unheard of. It's not like the World Cup is full of upsets uh, to the final, you know. Um, you got, you know, the best player in the world on his way out, and you got the best player in the world now uh, in, in Mbappe for France, and they both live up. I mean, it goes to – I mean, it's, it's exciting all the way through. It goes to PK. It's just – I, I can't recall something that's lived up like that, but let, let's talk about the game. I'm sure you watched it harder than me. I was busy. It was 2 nothing, and I thought like the USA game a few weeks ago when they got eliminated, okay, good, I don't have to worry about the second half. And, uh, yeah, that was the wrong move. <laughs> yeah, Argentina has been not great at closing out 2-0 leads. It's the second 2-0 lead they blew in the knockout round. Um, and again, uh, the Netherlands match was the first one where Netherlands comes back, scores two goals, and then it gets taken into PKs. Argentina wins in PKs rather convincingly. And this one is a World Cup final, so you think they're going to be a little more careful, but it was yeah. um, a bad decision on a tackle from the Argentinian defender, which gives France a penalty. And then they go to the spot, get the goal. Mbappe runs in, gets it, runs back out, sets it down. And then a minute 30 later, Mbappe on a ball that bounces, he catches it flush with his foot on the volley and rockets it into the back of the net. And that was one when it was 2 nothing because I was not rooting for Argentina. I was kind of like, hmm. All right, good for Messi, I guess. But I was kind of out of it, and so I had taken it off the TV um, uh-huh. and, and kind of relegated it to an iPad. or a, Well, not an iPad, but Samsung tablet uh, while we're being brand specific. Um, but <laughs> and I, So I'm still watching it. Um, but I've got something else on the TV. And was it the Muppet Christmas Carol? It wasn't. That's Christmas Eve. Um, but <laughs> as as France gets the penalty, I was like, mm, okay. Like, I did watch Argentina blow one. Like, maybe France can keep it going. And then when that second one went in, that that got me up. And I was like, all right. Like, here we go. I, I believe. And unfortunately, and I get, and the announcers talk about this a little bit, and I understand it, but to me, given the knowledge and the hindsight of what happened in the Netherlands match, I would have liked to have seen France keep pushing, but because they're worried, like, okay, we had to go all out because it doesn't matter if we give up a goal. We got to get that equalizer. Now we have it. Like, we don't want to push so hard that we leave ourselves susceptible on a counter. Um, I feel like in that moment, you have all the momentum. And you have Argentina yeah. on their heels. It's imperative to go get that third goal if you can. 
And then you're so, never gonna you're never gonna say they should keep pushing and have me disagree with you. Like I that that's my issue that I talked about last week is just like I want I want more pushing from both teams. Right. So but you what you saw was the game go into extra time and then Argentina scores on just an absolute heartbreaker of your France uh to go up three two and then France starts pushing again insanely yeah. and it was a a pretty odd um, handball where the Argentinian players like just got his arm out and really what I thought was just dumb. So and the TV announcer, like luckily he didn't jinx it, but he's like, ah, the French fans aren't even celebrating. They don't even know what's going on. And it's like, no, they know that they haven't scored yet. You stupid butthole. And like, yeah. they got to score this goal. And luckily Mbappe scores, gets it three, three. And again, in that moment, I'm like, okay, keep pushing, keep pushing. Don't, Please don't let off the gas. And this time they did push a little more. Yeah, they and they had their opportunity. It was a one-on-one. This uh, attacker, not named Mbappe, is barreling down on the goalie, and and the goalie makes a spectacular save. And that really is the save that won them the tournament. Because if that ball goes in the back of the net, we don't get to penalties. France is lifting the cup, and they're the first back-to-back champion since I think it's the '60s when it was Brazil. Yeah, and like, and that that range is where I think I watched right before the end of regulation. Watched overtime on a cell phone with like people crowded around, <laughs> and uh, as exciting. And uh, I mean, just it was a kind of a cool experience, like watching it socially in an unexpected way. So uh, that was fun. And now I'll probably get to where yeah, you know, I will get to what we were doing later. But yeah, it it was a lot of fun. But the buildup then with that opportunity and then there's a couple minutes left after that for the PKs was just, I mean, so much tension. I thought the announcers in that time did a really good job staying out of the way. They, they let some of that tension just build with silence and the crowd noise. And I, I thought the announcers did a really good job through that. I kind of highlighted that and, and different than I will say here in a minute, but I thought they did a good job there. Yes. Right there. Right there. Because later I'm going to have a criticism. Yeah. I thought in that moment, I mean, it's yes. Still attention. I mean, a World Cup going into PKs. And again, I said, I can't think of something that's like lived up like this. It's just like, I don't know, that couple of minutes there before they got the PKs going as they're like getting the guys lined up and figuring out the orders and all that. And they, they know, but it's some gamesmanship going on there. And I don't know. It's just, I thought, I thought it was a, high-tension television right there. <laughs> yeah. And, and the penalty shootout is... It is max... Not maximum. I'd say a hockey shootout's a little bit more... Um, intense than a soccer shootout in the sense that, like, I I actually do think it's a better odds for the goalie in a hockey shootout because one, yeah, you get a, a lot more saves in a hockey. Yep. It's not as big of a goal, which helps, but two also like, it's not a thing of like, okay, like I have to guess and hope I guess right. Um, and I know you can read the goalies can read a little bit and the Argentinian goalie is a penalty saving specialist. And that showed in this tournament, every time they got to PKs, he was fantastic. Um, I don't like him cause I think he's kind of a jerk, but um, I think he showed that self I, I don't think he yeah i don't think he would have joe's influence there i think in the post game he he showed himself he did um but 
in all fairness, that part did make me laugh. Um, yeah. <laughs> just because of who's behind him and <laughs> yeah, who's behind him and who's what's going on there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just kind of thought uh, you've touched on it a little bit here and I guess I'll let you finish your point before I maybe piggyback off of it a little bit on terms of where you didn't like the broadcast. And they got silent. So, so obviously Argentina wins. We're not here. Sure, sure, sure. Breaking news. Argentina wins four two. They they get up on a on a penalty kick and then they get up another bit. It's just theirs, theirs at that point. And uh, they got it. And so he kicks the game winning penalty kick. This is where I like some silence. I do like their broadcasters to let it breathe. But they went absolutely. They said minimal words forever. And the people that I were with kind of made comment like, wait, what's going on? Like they, I, it's like they dropped too far out. And then when they did say stuff, I don't know if it was the most worthwhile stuff. So I just, I thought that I thought as soon as the game went final, that's where I started having bigger issue with, with what the broadcast was doing. I didn't have a problem in the moment of them being yeah, quiet, a like bit. getting a the bit. crowd, hearing the crowd celebrate sure. and the players celebrate and getting all that. But, and I turned it off shortly after that, to be fair, uh, because I was like, okay, I've seen it. I don't need to see the trophy presentation. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't watch the trophy presentation, but it, it, however long I kept it on, they said like eight words in that time. And the eight words they did say, which is an exaggeration. I, I didn't think they added to the broadcast. I, I was with people that kind of knew soccer or knew soccer, no sports. And they there was confusion from what they were watching and they really weren't walking away at that time. So I, that's where I thought they needed to do a little bit more, but that's, that's being picky about broadcast. I don't know who else me and you dig into that. I don't know who else listening probably digs into that. I didn't like the Fox broadcast in general. Um, I guess I should say that team in general, which is Fox's a team. They did all the U S games. If you watch the U S games now, I mean, I was surprised how long they've been together. Yeah, if you've watched if you watch the US play in this tournament, that's the people who were doing our games. Um, that's their A team. I just don't care for them. I, I liked Ian Dark and Landon Donovan better. I think they're better at it. I think Ian Dark knows more soccer than the guy who sure. is the play by play guy in the other ones. And then Landon Donovan is a better color analyst. And um I actually like Landon Donovan as an analyst during the game more than I like him as an analyst in the studio because I every time they would go to that pregame or halftime or whatever where it would be like Clint Dempsey and Alexi Lawless. And I think Stu Holden is the name of the host. Like that was, I was just like, this is the three stooges on television. It just, I heart. I think I watched before like the first game. Maybe I was watching. I I didn't get any, any insight. Uh, Anything oh, really? The only and, time I did listen, yeah, the, the only time I did listen, they gave me bad advice, and I, I yeah. lost the bet because of them. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> like Alexi Lawless, every USA match is going to pick USA two zero. I'm just telling you right now for the for the rest of time, Alexi Lawless will say USA two zero, and the first time was the Wales match, and he said, oh, "I'm picking the USA dos a zero," and I was like, "Well, that's not helpful because we're not playing Mexico." So unless the Welsh have officially decided to drop Welsh as their official language and pick up Spanish, that's a really dumb thing to say. And then the England match, he says, 
I'm picking the U.S. Dozo Zero. And I was like, okay, you're just being an ass. Got it. And the Iran match, he's like, I'm picking the U.S. Dozo Zero. And I was like, hate him. And then the Netherlands match. USA, two to one. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess. Cool, I guess. I don't. I I just, I don't like him. I. As much as I want to like him because he is pro-U.S. And in those moments, I just sometimes want to hear the optimistic side for the U.S. and how we're going to win. Um, he just comes off as, like, annoying and, like, almost yelling at times. And I'm just like, I, I just don't I don't need it. Um, and, and what I really need is you to be intelligent and, like, be smart. And, and I just think... And maybe this is a me problem because I listen to other soccer podcasts and other soccer shows in the United States even. And I'm like, well, these people should be on instead of instead of these guys. Yeah. And Clint Dempsey is a guy, he's an example to me of a player who's played the game, really excellent player, but just doesn't come off on TV well. Like there were so many times when he was saying something that I was like, that's not a smart thing to say out loud, but okay. And so, like, this is the least World Cup I've watched since I probably, like, when the U.S. hosted it in the early 90s or whatever it was, 94, was it? And I just wasn't, I mean, I played Little League Soccer. Yeah, I didn't choose what I watched on TV, so I just didn't watch much then. But I think from then on, 98 and 02 and on, I've been, I've watched a lot of soccer at the World Cups. I mean, that's really when I watch soccer as World Cup. I remembering the ESPN broadcasts of the 2000s, the aughts or whatever they call it. I generally liked those better. I like Bob Lee hosting the the show, which I know he's not ESPN anymore. Right. I, I don't know. I just, I guess it worked more seamlessly with how I was watching sports at that time than what Fox did. I don't know. I have my issues with Fox. I, and maybe I don't, I probably haven't analyzed all my issues with Fox. So I will get there. They have the next world cup. They have the women's and they have the next man, men's world cup. I'm excited that ESPN will absolutely try to outbid Fox for the next one. And I, and I hope they get it. Cause I just, I felt like it was better before than, than what we have now. But I mean, that's, that's my opinion. And, and I'm not one to crap on ESPN. Like so many people, people like to do on Twitter. Yeah. I think Fox actually did win. Uh, for the next World Cup as well. Um, they have the next one. After that, there's a bidding process. That's what okay. I'm saying. Like the, the 2030. Okay. 2030. Yeah. That's the one that's going to be open for bid at, at some point soon. Um, and I'll be honest. I you think get it's, like a, you get like three at a time. Yeah. Or, you know, it's whatever the package they try to put together. Well, I think it's one at a time in terms of the TV rights. But I think they, I, I think Fox got. I think Fox got 2026 bundled in because it normally isn't done two at a time. I think they got it bundled in because this one is going. I heard a podcast where they were talking about this, and he said, uh, it was John Skipper that said it. He said his belief was that FIFA bundled those two together because Fox was having to have this one put in the fall where they don't want it. Fox does not want the World Cup in the fall going up against uh, football and. Yeah. and everything else they don't want that yeah. and so it, in for fifa as a sweetener they're like okay well we'll go ahead and give you the u.s world cup too um yeah, if you won 18 you're gonna have yeah or if yeah if, if you, you want take if you get 22 you'll, you'll yeah. we'll give you 26 um but 
That being said, I, I honestly think, and this is, you know, maybe not the most patriotic thing to say, but ESPN puts just smart soccer people on, whether they're English or Spanish or Hispanic or whatever, they just put smarter people on. And that's what I enjoyed about ESPN on there, you know? Yeah, that's what I enjoyed about ESPN. Bob Lee was American, but some of the other analysts on there were, you know, from England and from, uh, I've watched a lot of their other soccer shows that they have, um, and and they're from all over the world and and they do a good job because they played in the best leagues. What does Alexi Lalas know outside of like the men's national team in the U.S.? He didn't play overseas. He's he's not that good. Clint Dempsey played overseas a little bit, um, but he's just not a good analyst, which is okay. Um, I, I love Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken Jr. when he's on TV during the playoffs, yeah. I'm like, this is bad. You should not do this. Yeah. Um, it's like anytime Griffey has had a mic in front of his. Face, yeah, it's yeah. like I can't believe you're not better at this, but please stop. Um, yeah. So I just think, and then I don't like the host, Stu Holden. I, I, every time he talks, I'm like, this is a Ryan Seacrest lookalike that knows nothing about soccer that is talking to soccer about me. And I don't yeah. like it. Um, like, and I guess this is the other part. This is going to branch off a little bit. But the whole thing being sponsored by, by Qatari Airways was incredibly cringe for me the entire time. Like every time I watched, it was like, come embrace Qatar. We're great. And I was like, well, except for all that, you know, stuff that we know about. Sure. Um, and, and Fox was just like, yeah, it's a Qatar party. This is great. This is the greatest world cup we've ever had. Oh, this is so much fun. What a great world cup. And I was like, I get that you have to say this, but maybe don't, shove it down my throat as hard like in 2018 the russia world cup was the greatest world cup we've ever had and it's great and how much do we love russia and how much should we go visit russia and now it's like Qatar is great we should go visit Qatar. Qatar is going to be such a great economy thanks for letting us host the world cup and thanks for watching and embrace our culture and blah 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 and i'm just like ah no and, and so it was just a lot of other stuff going around the broadcast that i i found that greatly uncomfortable and they'll avoid it in the next one i mean you're going to be in north america yeah you're going to be in the u.s a lot of what made you cringy this time won't be there the next time or the next but unfortunately i think it'll be a lot of the same personalities so i'll hate that still um well but you said it wasn't the best world cup ever i am in terms of the tournament to this point in terms of the tournament it was up there it was a great it was World good, Cup. But the final was unbelievable. And I'm trying to, like, think about, at least in my lifetime or, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm aware of, of, like, something that lives up to this. I on a, on a world scale, I don't think I can get there. Like, I can't think of an Olympic event. I can't think of a previous World Cup. I can't think of – I just, you know, the whole world behind something, as much as the World Cup, there is nothing. You know, the World Cup is the number one – you know, athletic event every four years for the world. And, and in America, we don't look at it the same way as the rest of the world, but you have to acknowledge what the rest of the world has. And then for the final, every all the buildup, you get those two teams, the way the game goes, so exciting. Like, I, I it might have been, like, the greatest single event, you know, say, you know, championship game of, like, sports. Like, and I know that's hyperbolic, but just, like, I can't come up with something on a on a world level 
that compares. National level, I'm going to throw some stuff up there, and I don't, I don't think it compares because it's all national. Like, you can talk about Celtics and Lakers in the 80s and how epic that was because it was, it was the two best teams of the 80s, and they kept facing each other in finals, and you had Magic and Bird. Like, you have Mbappe, and you have um, – Messi. Um, yeah. You like it on a world scale that's not even close. You know, we, we have Super Bowl 32 where we had Elway versus Favre and like, you know, Elway playing the Messi and Favre playing the Mbappe, like, you know, kind of coming up, but already established. And but and it was a great Super Bowl game. But like on a world stage, it, it doesn't do that. And, you know, OK, the next thing I can think of, OK, let, OK, let, let me find something on a world stage that got super hyped at the time. You know, it's easy to look back. Do you believe in miracles? Lake Placid, U.S. beat in Russia and how much attention that got from the world in hockey and Russia getting knocked off, the U.S. doing it at a, at a complicated time and everything. But that wasn't even the final, you know? So, like, I just can't come up with an equivalent or what's being compared to to how great this was. And, and I'm sure there's matchups we could put together. Like, well, here was a big matchup and here was a big game. But then did the game live up the way that I mean, go, you know, take it to the all the way max three goals for each teams and, and scoring in overtime in the extra time. Like, man, I just, I can't come up with anything. And I hate, I hate being the guy that's like, what we just saw is the best thing ever. You know, whatever the last thing I watch is the best thing. I hate being that guy. I can't, I listen to people today already thinking about this and them talk about the same thing today, like on, on podcast, I, I got nothing. I got nothing from what they said. I got nothing from my memory. I got nothing from internet search. I It was amazing. Yeah. Um, after you said that, you know, I wanted to try to think and be like, give me something because I haven't found it yet. Yeah. Um, I, man, when you think about it, like, it really does probably, probably get there because if you're looking at some other ones, 2006, uh, Italy beating France was a good World Cup final because um, that ended, and that was the one where Zidane headbutts. Uh, oh, yeah. Headbutts the Italian player and gets red carded, and then that match ends up going into penalties and Italy wins. Um, so give me the two biggest stars in that game. Well, give me the, like... Well, Zidane would have been one of them, but he got okay. red carded. Um, but that's the problem, right? Like the Italian side doesn't have Buffon, the goalie, maybe. Yeah. Um, and, and I think you're right in like, that. Even sense. if even if you gave me the biggest stars in that game, did one of them have a hat trick? <laughs> right. Like no, I think in that sense so you're right. Crazy. In that sense you're right. It is. It's Messi, who is widely regarded as one of the best players ever in the history of soccer, and Mbappe, who is one of the currently. best players currently playing soccer. Um. And they they lived up. They they stepped up to the plate. Um, the only thing that I think would have been even better in the eyes of Fox is if it had been Portugal instead of France that had advanced on that side of the bracket. And then you had Messi versus Ronaldo, which mm. is the two arguable best players ever to play soccer, um, playing each other for that World Cup final. Um, but... I, honestly, France is a better team, and they, they got the better product oh. and the better finish. Yeah, I, um, I like him better, so that that helps me on my argument. Yeah, <laughs> and I, 
I think <laughs> when this is all said and done, Mbappe will maybe be better than both of these players. Yeah, like in four years when he's in another final. Like Right. <laughs> and I, I honestly think a guy that we may never see win a World Cup, I don't know if we'll see him get to a World Cup, uh, is Erlig uh, Holland for that plays at Manchester City now is Norwegian. Unfortunately for him, Norway just out and out sucks. But <laughs> he is a goal-scoring machine. Um, and I think he, if he played for a different national team, would be another candidate that could yeah. be the best player ever. But um, for Messi... That's like been Messi. I mean, Messi yeah, didn't I was win say, one until now. For Messi to of, finally... until this weekend. Yeah, for Messi to finally win a World Cup is huge. Um, yeah. And it, it takes that, you know, kind of burden off of his back, which was, which was huge. Um, I, I know you have one of the other things on here is like Lake Placid, uh, on a world stage, but that wasn't, like I said, that was the, that wasn't the final. It wasn't a like, final, wasn't the final game. Yeah. And it also wasn't like, when you look back at that U S roster, like those guys, it was didn't the, do yeah, anything. They, they didn't have the star. They didn't the do anything after that either. Like when they, cause and it was college kids, but when they got the to pros, yeah. When those guys got to the pros, they weren't anything either. So, um, no, I, I threw it on there just cause it was a, a, you, like, I was trying to think, I was like trying to grab something that was, um, world stage. Now, of course I'm coming to this with the U S maybe Jesse Owens. Like that first, I say maybe Jesse Owens winning the track championship in, in Nazi Germany would have been up there, but, that's another thing. So slightly out of my time. So yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's also another thing, and it's not like a team sport. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's another factor for all this. This is a team sport creating this together. I mean, you could come up with you know, uh, um, Fraser Ali and and some individual you know big time matchups that did carry outside of the U.S. You know, with a lot of a lot of hype. Um, but the you know the individual things like that. I, I mean, there's probably some, there's probably some like Tiger and somebody things that I'm not thinking of at the moment too. But like, I don't know for a team event, man. I, I just I can't even come close to coming. I like anything I come up with. I'm I'm just I'm not even saying it's even that close. Like it's it's just not. This is this this had the hype coming into it. It lived up. It had the star power. The star powers kicked butt during it and. And then the drama of it all and the, and the amount of scoring, it's just so good. I mean, and that's the thing. And it, it kind of drawn it into like, this is the best thing for soccer. I mean, that game with everything I just said, the star power, everything, anybody that watches soccer a little bit was hyped for that game. And then it lived up. I think you can draw a lot of people in from something like that. And soccer is growing. And, and I think I listened to the opposite of this earlier. I listened to an argument like, hey, well, this is what I heard in 1994 when the U.S. hosted it and soccer is going to be the next sport. And here we are. I mean, it's growing, though. Like, it, it is more than it was. But it's just a slow pace. And it's going to continue to be a slow pace. But this will only help it. Like, the hype of, of this year's World Cup can only help it. And then it rolling into one that is in the United States, in our time zone, and everything that's going to help that like soccer's got the momentum right now, but we just can't expect to turn it into the second or third biggest sport in a, you know, in a four year cycle, it's just not going to work like that. It's going to be another 40 years and you hope it's the third biggest sport by then. Like that's, that's just how this is going to work. Yeah. And 
You know, I saw something uh, on Twitter. It was like uh, 1.3 million people watched the Super Bowl. In comparison, 4 billion people watched the World Cup final, um, which kind of speaks. 100 million. 100 million watched the Super Bowl. But yeah. No. More than a million people watched the Super Bowl. Yeah. 100 million people watched the Super Bowl. Let me check. You might be right. I, I, I am. It is. It's 100. I'm sorry. 103.4 million. Yeah. 103.4 million watched the Super Bowl and 4 sure. billion watched the World Cup yeah. final. So it it's just kind of speaks million, to the difference. A billion number. It doesn't matter what that yeah. billion number is. The billion it, is crazy. It, it does. Yeah. Um, it, it does kind of just be like, all right. So um, it's, it's just a way more popular sport and it draws a lot more eyeballs. And so that's going to have more yeah. impact in terms of like a global stage and you're right. And that's what does kind of lend itself to this being the greatest sporting achievement and greatest sporting championship, uh, single championship ever. Um, but I, I will also say they only got 11.7. I mean, that, there's the difference there, right there. You inspired me to look this up. 11.7 million people watched the world cup final in america that was the the american number okay i mean that's a tenth of what the super bowl is so and i don't know is, yeah and i don't know if we'll ever get to that super bowl number yeah, in I, america which that's is why I'm saying second or third for soccer i'm not even approaching first for a long time yeah that's fine um but i mean it can beat baseball like i can see the path for it to beat baseball i can see the path for it to beat basketball it's, it's not there yet but like Baseball keeps doing what it's doing. Yeah, it'll get passed. Yeah. And I will say, I think the fact that the next World Cup is in the United States will help. It'll help. Um, I think. Build on this momentum. I think the fact that what's going to hurt is going to be next year is the Women's World Cup. And that's in Australia. And it's at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. or whatever to watch matches live unfortunately because that actually is the only world cup we'll probably be able to win for our lifetime um but we've been when women the women yeah the women look to three the women are looking to three-peat world cup championships uh which is absolutely realistic uh france will be a team that will try to stop us um england will be another team um Australia, like there's going to be some teams there that are good. Uh, but I will say like, I, I think. Wow. It's the uh, real quick. I just read this. The women, the last women's world cup final with the United States in it got 14.3 million, actually more viewers than that. What just watched this weekend. But I think because that's because the, the United US States calls. is in it. And then yeah. the previous was 25.4 in the World Cup before that when U.S. played Japan. So, I mean, that just tells you right there, U.S. has to be involved for the U.S. audience to really, really come out, uh, which is not shocking. But um, I, I don't know. I thought I actually looking at those numbers. I thought this one would be higher, maybe not past the women there. I just thought this one would approach that with the star power there. So I, that's probably a bad sign for the current state of soccer watching in america i think that this being in the fall did not help it hurt me it It was a sunday it was a sunday morning a lot of people are still getting ready for their nfl sundays um you know it's at 10 a.m so if you go to church on sundays that's 
prime church time for you. Um, And that's going to cut into potential viewers in the United States. So just being in the fall was not great for Fox. I, 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 I do did. think I really stopped watching when the U S got eliminated. Honestly. Yeah. I do think uh, when the U S hosts in the summer again, um, it'll go back up, but yeah, I think so too, but use the momentum of this. They can do that. They, they, they'll do that. Got to get mean, rid of Greg. Berlis, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, not that's a mess, mind. but you know, MLS will try to piggyback off this all they can. And NBC will piggyback with their, Primarily cover it and yeah. all that, and and it'll it'll help, and we'll see if it dwindles down as much back to where it was, or stays up a little bit and rolls into four years from now. But I mean, I'm not against soccer. I, I'm just not there for the Champions League and Premier League and whatever league and the third rate league. I'm just not there yet for it. But I mean, I, I get into the World Cup and I follow on. And now, like I said, I hadn't watched a lot this year since, especially since U.S. was eliminated, just because too many other things pulling me different directions, but I still kept up with it. I mean, it still was in my attention level. So, yeah. But if, if you enjoyed this world cup and followed it all the way through and you want to get into more soccer, um, the champions league, you can see Messi and Mbappe actually play on the same team, uh, at PSG, Paris St. Germain. Um, they'll be on the same team. Uh, champions league is probably the best, way to watch them because if you watch their league in France they're just going to dog walk everybody they play the Champions <laughs> League they'll actually have competition um, and they they won't win it because um, they I don't think they ever have won at PSG <laughs> and just coming off that game and, and every all the build up and all the talk for those two stars it's like how could they lose you know this <laughs> so that's what you yeah, learn in the club game is and, and this is what you learn quickly when you watch clubs versus the national team because the the haves and the have nots at the club level are so, so very different. Club soccer is actually the better product. You, the teams at the club level are better than the national teams, which is maybe not the case for other sports. Um, Yeah. There's no NBA teams beating a U.S. team. Right. In general. In general. Right. Right. We might've been weak in certain years, but. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, you take the Golden State Warriors there that they might have had a shot on some of those teams against what was left. All right. Well, the World Cup is through, so we will look forward to that. I'm really looking forward to the Women's World Cup. I My plan is just to record the games in the middle of the night and watch them when I wake up. That's that's my plan of attack at the moment. We'll see what we get when we get there. Um. All right. Let's jump to high school sports. Uh, we haven't really set our listeners up for the winter sports because we've just been so deep in football. Uh, we're still not going to dive deep quite into it yet. We're going to start that in the new year. But just to kind of give people an idea where things are at and maybe inspire them to go catch a game or two uh, here around Christmas, Stanton has started off great 6-0. and They beat TA a couple times, Rockbridge a couple times, um, Broadway and Appomattox. Uh, so that's fun that, you know, the – the storied basketball team from this area seems to be uh, strong this year. And, you know, six and zero right now doesn't tell, you know, doesn't tell me they're going to be 22 and zero or anything, but it, you can't start better than that. They beat solid name teams there. They have a big game this week against um, Wilson and then Broadway. That Wilson game's pretty interesting there because Wilson and Stanton seem to have that budding rivalry. You've, you've mm-hmm. called a couple of those in recent years. They sure do. And Wilson and Stanton has a history of some 
uh, some rivalry stuff there. So uh, it's not surprising. The other big game this week, Gap is five and one. They beat like Allegheny and Nelson and stuff. Fort Defiance four and two. They play each other Tuesday night. So that's, you know, kind of the second and third best teams so far uh, record wise playing each other this week to open up district play. So uh, Tuesday, a good night to go out and catch some basketball. Uh, two interesting games happening right there. It'll be interesting to see that second place matchup in the Shenandoah district. But I think the the concerning part, even if you're Ford and you win that, some of Ford's losses have, I know they only have two, but I, I know one in particular was a lopsided loss that yeah. when I saw it, I was like, yo, um, and it's a three C opponent. So that, that would be the part that would concern me if I'm a Fort fan, you got to get that corrected. But as you said, it's early in the season and there's plenty of time to get the kinks worked out. Yeah, but and, and these are the first, this is a, that we're yeah, this is a huge, about. huge district matchup because it does kind of seem like this year it's going to be who's finishing behind Stanton at second. Cause Stanton does seem to be far and away the best team in the Shandua district. Yeah, the, the loss that Fort had was to Broadway, 50 to 26. Yeah. And like I said, Broadway's a team that Stanton. When you beat, score 26 points in a well. high school basketball game, it's like, yeah. okay. Uh, their other loss was in a double overtime. So it'll be, I'm really interested in what comes out of that gap Fort game. There's a lot of hype around gap this year, especially for class one. Uh, I, I'm not sure if we're talking, you know, Siegel Center hype, but I think, you know, doing well in class one and, and getting to those state playoffs is kind of a, a strong hope out there. So we'll see what they got on the girls side. Uh, kind of that same, same interesting thing gap versus fort this week. Uh, this one, the girls will be at fort. Uh, the guys are playing at gap. Uh, that's an interesting matchup. Fort girls have been good. They haven't started out the best, but I think they've had a little bit of a tough schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, gap started out four and one. So I, I like that matchup. The Wilson girls, they started out four and three. Like I said, they're playing Stanton this week. Stanton girls have not started out as well, but so on the girls' side, I definitely recommend that Gap Fort game is definitely the the highlight of the week, and uh, it'll be it's gonna be fun to see what's coming out of this. I know we still got to set up these seasons, talk about some names and stuff, but I'm excited for Terrell Mickens. And hey, my my son's getting coached by Terrell right now at uh, YMCA basketball on Wednesday night. So when you know he gets done coaching the varsity team and the stuff that they, they raise banners for, he comes over to the Y and uh, coaches up my uh, four year old. So it's pretty exciting. I always appreciate his role in that and how, how great a guy is with the little kids. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I think that's, that's the cool part, right? Is that he's able to devote so much time to the community. Yeah. And he, and he's awesome. I I like Terrell. He's a really good dude. I'm always, always happy when he's involved with anything with my kids are doing athletically because I know uh, he's getting good training, but uh, other high school notes. I, it was cool uh, to see that East Rock is doing exactly what I like to see schools do. They're not wasting any time. They are retiring Tyler Nichols' number five jersey Wednesday night. I think it is at East Rock. Yeah, I love it. I, I when you're when it's something that obvious, he's by far the best player to ever play there. Um, might easily be the best player to ever play there. Hang that jersey in the rafters. Have that excitement about what he's doing right now. He's, he, he played in that gym last year. Get his jersey up there now. No one else needs to wear that number five. I love it. Yeah. I'm boring you. I, I agree with you. No. <laughs> it's been a long... It's only Monday. Um, but it's... Um, I mean, you wanted to add JMU to name the court after him. Just to I come did. There. Just to come so, there. Yeah, he hasn't, even, just, he hasn't even been at JMU, but you just named the floor after him to try to get him to come. Um, but... 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I was trying to think back because um, the number one athlete that graduated from my high school would have been Kelly Washington. And um, I they didn't retire that number. Unt- I, in fact, I don't know if it's retired now. I, I remember they retired his jersey when I was in high school, which. Oh, that's a gap between there. Yeah, was a long, yeah, long time um, because. And, you know, to, to in their defense, he went the route to try to play Major League Baseball. Played in the minors for a few years, didn't work out. Around the time we were in college, or not college, um, around shortly before we were in high school, I want to say, maybe even my freshman year, that's when he went to Tennessee for a year or two and then went to the NFL and played in the NFL while we were in high school, our senior years. And I, I do think it was around that time that his Jersey got retired. Um, and that being a big deal, but yeah, um, there was definitely some time there. Uh, so I, like you're saying, I, I do like that they're retiring sure it now because you're right. It is a sure thing. He's playing at North Carolina. He's getting on the floor at North Carolina and, and doing, holding his own Got 16 points the other night. Yeah doing well yeah. when he plays and um i just no disrespect to future athletes at east rock but i i mean where different i don't i don't know how many other ones you're expecting to get to play at a north yeah. carolina in basketball yeah it doesn't happen that often so celebrate it now enjoy it now yeah have the celebration while it's happening and i i just i'm not one to usually when it's a sure thing like if it's debatable if you'd ever have that retired right get waiting or whatever and that would probably be the times i say "Eh, i don't know but you know yeah at stanton and and hatcher (laughs) like anything you want to name hatcher as soon as you wanted to you could have and i i I think they had stuff on the wall for him while he was still there um at riverheads with casto i mean they could do it tomorrow and it wouldn't be too soon like it's that it's just that obvious he just set the bar so much higher i mean I will say, though, I do want to like examples. Yeah, I will say like those two are coaches and that's fine. But I do think. There's been a few of those Stanton players that have come through in the short time that I've been here that have gone D1. But I I don't think and no disrespect to them, but you don't name you don't retire jerseys or anything um, just because they're not that level. I, I do think it has to be a special level like, well, I mean, cream I would, of I the crop level. Like in terms I would of take the argument for Darius, and I'm not saying they've done anything no. wrong by not doing this, but he won a state championship for him. He okay, is high but that's not that's not. Like I would start with the argument that way, but yeah, he's not. But that's not what the argument season. is. Yeah, it's it's yeah. this kid has the potential to not only go to North Carolina where he's playing, but he has the potential if he ends up maturing every year he's at North Carolina to potentially go play in the NBA. And I think that needs to like be if we're going to start retiring numbers in high school, that kind of needs to be the criteria. This kid has a legitimate shot at being a professional. Yeah. And, and there is a difference. And, and I don't, I mean, it's an honor either way, having your Jersey handed in the hallway and recognized any of the names we just said should have that, you know, and can have that. Yes. If it it hasn't been retiring the Jersey or whatever is fine. But you know, the number they're they're retiring number, number out, five. You know. No one will ever wear yeah. number five in East Rock basketball ever again, which I think is fine because I I do think 
Tyler Nickel does have the a legitimate shot at eventually yeah. being an NBA basketball player. And and I think that deserves recognition. Versus, you know, and I don't want to name anybody in particular, but I just I don't think there's anyone else in any other sport that right now I would say number retired when they graduate. If they retired Mac McClellan's number down there, I wouldn't be barking. Yeah, he like, played in the NBA. I don't think Gate yeah. City's going to have another kid co- go to the NBA for a very long time, if ever. So He's that's surprising. fine. Yeah. He was surprising. It'd be surprising if it happens again. Right. That w- that would be fine if if Gate City did. I'm I'm talking about local schools here. I I don't I just don't yeah, want yeah, people yeah. to get the idea of like, oh, well, this kid was really good when he was here. We should retire his number. No. If they're not going to be a pro, you don't retire the number. Honor honor their jersey. Have it out. I yeah. Mean, yeah. They're. Yeah, That's put fine. their jersey wherever you want to put it, but you don't retire. And what an honor number. that is, and they'll be in the Hall of Fame for the school or whatever. All that's great. Yeah. Agreed. But Agreed. Getting rid of the numbers should be held for very special cases. And I I mean, I don't know the history of that in the area. That we need to poke at Patrick Hyde about that. He can dig into that for us. <laughs> uh wrestling, we don't have a lot. I know Riverheads did really well over the weekend at a um TA event. Um, they're supposed to be really strong in class one, uh, this year, again, uh, they'll probably be one of the best in the area. Wilson is usually that other team. So talk a little bit more about wrestling. I did want to talk about football, kind of wrapping up a couple things there. They had the all state team coming out. I haven't seen class three yet. I know class two came out and, uh, we didn't have any local players there, meaning basically Stewart's draft. And that's just a little bit of a product of them not going as deep as we're used to them going. Uh, but obviously Riverheads in class one, well-represented Caden Cook cash offensive player of the year. Uh, obviously first team running back Cameron Robinson, that great player from Essex. Uh, he was defensive player of the year. Also first team wide receiver and first team linebacker coach Ray Norcross, the coach of the year. None of those surprising, um, you know, all top players in class one all year. Riverheads also had Luke Bryant first team at defensive end, Davis Austin, David Austin, Mitchell Withrow, Caden Swats. Uh, all at first team, Peyton Snell and Austin Roberts on second team. Uh, interesting on other teams, Gap, Jacob Carter, he's a senior offensive lineman there. He was second team All-State. Luke Tinsley, we talked a lot about him this year, second team All-State. Dylan Alfin made it for linebacker for second team, so that was uh, good for other local teams to get involved there. The other one's just kind of of note, George Wiss quarterback that's appeared to be the best player on the field during that state championship game for George Wyth. He was first-team quarterback. Seems deserved to me. Mm-hmm. Essex is running back. Dorian Harris, first-team running back. Uh, how could he not with the stats that he had and how impressive a season he had? So those were some of a lot of familiar names there that we ran through there. Riverhead seems well-represented there. And and Caden Cook-Cash just keeps adding the hardware. Yeah, he's doing very good. He's having a very good career. He'll have a chance to add on to that next year, and uh, we look forward to that. Uh, NCAA football, the bowl games. Um, I didn't. I wanted to talk NFL next, but let's talk this since I already opened it up. Uh, we talked about that Troy-UTSA game. It was a good game. It just didn't go the way you and I thought it would. Uh, it didn't, but I didn't expect the officials to start throwing flags for being happy that you got a third down stop to get the <laughs> ball back late in the game, and I didn't expect pass interferences to start magically appearing uh, on the field to help Troy get back in the game when it was looking like a laugher early. So that's on me, I guess. Uh, but you've seen it coming. Yeah, I should have seen it coming. Um, <laughs> terrible officiating, but it was, it was a close finish. Troy ends up winning that game. Uh, the Miami of Ohio game 
actually against UAB, which was the very first bowl game, was another great yeah, bowl game during the day. Um, there's been a lot of good bowl games so far. Um, Boise State was a good one at the end uh, against North Texas. That BYU game was good. BYU, SMU was good. Um, there's been a lot of fantastic bowl games, actually. There's been a couple blowouts featuring kind I of... I haven't a, watched many. I mean, the weekend ruined me from watching a lot of them, but uh, I'm looking forward. That's really what I'm looking forward to going forward. Yeah. Uh, Marshall, a Marshall thumped UConn today, and uh, Oregon State absolutely waxed Florida. Um, yeah. They were playing with like the quarterback, <laughs> like a new quarterback, like first time, first time seeing the field starting in the bowl game. I, and that's, I Cincinnati I, got waxed by Louisville Fresno state. I hate the guys leaving up and down the rosters before the bowl game happens. I, I just, I'm an old fogey, I guess. I just miss when it seemed like that was an exciting thing to do and playing in those was beneficial. And, you know, you needed that exposure and we just don't live in that time anymore. Every one of these Power Five teams, every single game they have is televised. They don't have to play in a bowl game to get national audience and get recruited by Pac-12 teams. Um, so, I mean, that's the big difference. And it's more beneficial for them to go start training for the draft than it is to play in the bowl game. I just, I, I wish it wasn't the case. I, I, I know why. I just wish it wasn't the case. Yeah, I hear you. It it is more fun when the team that made the effort to get there is the team that's playing. Yeah, it's a lot easier for us to pick the games uh, correctly that way too. Also so true. looking forward here, kind of splitting the bowl games over the next two weeks up a little bit here uh, to start the conversation. What between now and Christmas Day, what bowl game is kind of sticking out to you that you want to make sure you watch? Between now and Christmas Day. Oof. I I guess <laughs> it's one of the ones you have highlighted here. Um it's gotta be the Independence Bowl. Because I think Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns taking on Houston. Houston is a team that kind of in the past has been a lot better. Um, but this year they took a step back and Louisiana is a pretty good team from the Sun Belt that leaps up and surprises people occasionally. This is a good G6 bowl. Um, but we'll see. Um, I do think um, another game that might be closer than people think is that Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl with Baylor yeah. Air Force. Yeah, you get the Baylor team playing Air Force, which is going to win a weird offense. Mm-hmm. So it could be interesting. The one I the other one I had highlighted is the Gasparilla Bowl, and I never say that word right. But Wake Forest and Missouri, you know, it's that's two Power Five programs. I I don't know. I want to see Wake come out and play well. That's kind of what I'm looking for. Um, I'm also hoping the ACC can kind of win some bowl games, and that would be one to do that with. So uh, that's kind of why I'm focused on that one. And that both those bowl games that we kind of dove into there the Louisiana-Houston game and the Wake Forest-Missouri game, both Friday, December 23rd. So, um, and, and I was looking at my calendar. I don't have a whole lot going on that day, so I'm, I'm hoping to maybe watch two football games back-to-back that day. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, I, I plan on trying to watch as be much of... Cool cool's not the right word. Miracle is probably the right word for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I plan on trying to watch as much of these bowls, all of them, as I can. Um, today's 
Yeah, I like I like these two weeks because it's like every weeknight, every every day other than when NFL is on. Right. There's a game at seven o'clock or seven thirty every night, so it's it makes it easy. Yeah, today was the first day I didn't get to watch any of a game um, with Marshall and UConn. I watched a little bit of Marshall and UConn, but today I watched early. Yeah, judging by the score, I didn't need to. So, no. I guess since we're not having an episode next week, we need to look at the week following. Do. So this is December twenty sixth, all the way up to January 2nd on your calendars. Obviously, we're going to yeah. leave and out we'll the playoff. We'll talk about the semifinals here in a minute. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll leave out the playoff. Um, I, I think a bowl game you got to watch is the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. The Ohio Bobcats on mm-hmm. Friday, December 30th, have a huge game against Wyoming. Unfortunately, might be hard to watch. Um, it's on the, on the internet. It's on the internet. I will be trying to watch it. I'm um, hoping I don't have to pay for it, but we'll... <laughs> I don't think you do. I'd be stupid for Barstool to do that. I, uh, I'm really hey, hoping. Hey, they do don't. stupid things. Yeah. They hosted a basketball uh, tournament. I don't think you had to pay to watch that. So, yeah, I, I think you'll be all right. I think you'll see it. Um, the first one I had highlighted that jumped off, and this is, I'm not going to talk about all the ACC games. I already kind of made that point. Uh, but that Oregon, North Carolina Bowl, the Holiday Bowl, that Holiday game. Bowl has a history of being a good game. Yeah, so I just think be. somehow, some way, that's going to be a good game. I do know Oregon has Bo Nix committed to play in and coming back. So I would have to give the edge to Oregon there. Mm-hmm. But maybe North Carolina wakes up. I mean, maybe, you know, like any team coached by an ancient person, maybe they just need a little nap. Uh, through the latter part of the season, and now they'll be ready to go and, and play in a bowl game. I, I That bowl game often is a really good game, so that's what I'm hoping for. That one's not going to be because North Carolina's going to get run. Um, Probably. I will say I do think, um, man, your other one that you have highlighted is not one of the two I would have chosen either. Um, but really? the Valero Alamo Bowl with Texas and Washington on Thursday, December mm-hmm. 29th is going to be a good one because Washington is a team that really came on at the end of the year. And Texas is a team that has been kind of pesky all season long. And they when they're healthy, and- yeah, when they're healthy, they're really good. We'll see how healthy they are and how many people come to the game. But if <laughs> those two teams are close to a hundred percent, that'll be a fantastic matchup in the Alamo bowl. And that's the reason I don't have the cheese it bowl highlighted. I got Oklahoma versus Florida state. I know Oklahoma is just shedding players right now. So I, I just don't have a faith. That'll be a good game. And Florida state's probably favored anyway. So I, I, that's not reason. That's the reason, but that is on the 29th. I think that's a pretty solid day of football there. You know, as the bowl season progresses, the days get better. The next one I have highlighted though, Friday, December 30th, it is a three 30 game, the Gator bowl. I've always liked the Gator Bowl. We used to take part in it when we played in bowl games a lot. Uh, <laughs> Notre Dame versus South Carolina. Yeah, I, I'm interested. I'm going to watch it. I, you know, I don't think Notre Dame's shedding a lot of guys. I know they did lose a quarterback to Arizona or Arizona State, uh, but South Carolina with Shane Beamer coaching there. I, I think that's going to be an interesting ball game there. It's going to be the game that maybe makes me root for Notre Dame. I see. That's the thing, though. I I really don't like South Carolina's quarterback. I do not like what's his face, um, Spencer Rattler. Gonna, I do not like Spencer Rattler, but I don't really hate anything else happening there. So I, I just kind of I hate him enough to not root for him. 
I'm, I'm with you. I don't have a problem with anything South Carolina outside of him, but I hate him enough to hate the whole team. And then, then that's the thing, though. I hate Notre Dame in general, and I'm a hate. I do. The hype that I hate them no too. And I like their new coach. I like Freeman. So I it's don't. like both of these teams have like my conflicting interests going against each other. So I'm going to watch the thing. No, this is like watching the great Satan fight itself. Um, it's going to be tough. <laughs> So you're going to watch the Capital One Orange Bowl after that then? Orange on orange? I will. I wish I knew. I, I mean, Hinden Hooker appears to be done. So I don't think he's playing yeah. in this game. Um, right. Which sucks because now I'm not as interested in that game. If Hinden Hooker was playing, I'd be super interested in that game. Oh, my goodness, yes. That'd be a heck of a ball game. I don't think it would be a heck if of a Hinden ball Hooker game. If didn't get hurt, though, he'd be playing in the playoffs. That's, yes. And I, I, well, we say that, but South Carolina was that's true. Ripping they were their already face losing off. that game. Um, but I still got six. I don't think I. I think Tennessee absolutely spanks Clemson if Hinden Hooker's healthy. So. But I, I root for the ACC, but I hope so. But Dabo because he's right. not healthy, I think Dabo and Clemson ride a bus and win a game. I think, I don't think you, want a, you want an upset. You want an upset in those bowls. You want an upset in those bowls. K State's going to upset Alabama. That's what I'm waiting for. That's why I have it highlighted. That's a that's. I, I said that the day the playoff matchups came out, they also announced the other six, and they announced that game. And I te- that's the first thing I texted you. I was like, that Alabama Kansas State game is a game. So New Year's Eve, just pull up the chair and watch football all day. At noon, I guess that game, starts. That game is Bowl, at noon. Alabama. That's no good. <laughs> Wait, that's Wait, New Year's Eve. Year's Never Year's mind. Year's. Never mind. I'm yeah, in the clear, Day baby. Busy. I'm I'm in the clear. Yep. I got I got excited. New Year's Eve. I'm, the only con- I'm Gucci. Yep. The only con- conflict that we have on New Year's Eve at noon is the Hokies play basketball. But this is why God created multiple TVs. And uh, so, yeah, Alabama, Kansas State's going to be great. And then it rolls right into the. Playoff games, you got TCU, Michigan yep. first, and then Ohio State, Georgia. Uh, that's must-watch TV, obviously. Um, I'm jumping out of the order I wanted to do this, but what do you think is going to happen in these semifinal games? I don't hate the idea of TCU being able to pull off an upset. I don't I, – I, I'm, not, I'm not against it. I, I don't know if I'm betting that way or anything, but – I tell you what I, I am I betting. Better odds. I tell you what I am betting. TCU plus eight. <laughs> That's plus eight, man. What's Kansas State? You looking at it? No. I've thought oh, about I don't know what I, Kansas State's number is. I had a parlay before that referee screwed me out of uh, a lot of money uh, by making sure UTSA lost to Troy. And Kansas, I had Kansas State money line in that. Um, I think that spread's pretty tight because Kansas State money line wasn't huge, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, yeah, I think I I like that game. I'm I definitely am more confident of Georgia beating Ohio State than I am anything involved in Michigan and TCU. So I think that's the more game the game I'm more excited about. I think TCU can beat Michigan, but like I, I think Michigan beat TCU too. So I just think it's going to come down to that. I, if I had to put, I don't know. There is no know. way. There is no way Ohio State beats Georgia. 
yeah, no, Ohio State's losing to Georgia. I, in fact, that spread being closer is mind-boggling to me. That I think that's people just not. I don't know. Georgia's great. I said this in August. I told you. I said they lost all these people to the draft, but man, they <laughs> they got a lot of pieces back. Like they lost so much defensive talent, but they okay, were that like spread. cycling people in last year. So like everybody that was. Coming this year for Georgia was good. And then we all jumped on Tennessee. I, I admit it. I was there too. But Georgia was just consistently good yeah. all last year, all this year. And it's that's who they are. Georgia minus six and a half is that is Vegas giving you money. And TCU plus eight, like I, I like it, but I'm I would say Georgia minus six and a half is more of a slam dunk than TCU plus eight. Um and your question is Bama is a six point favorite against k-state six points if you're gonna bet plus six you might as well pick them to win yep yeah definitely georgia we'll see what we get out of michigan tcu i hope it's a really good game uh it rolls into the next day or two days after that january 2nd because on the first there's all the nfl games on a Mm -hmm. on a uh new year's day on a sunday monday is january 2nd yeah Um, i don't know what you're doing yeah, it's got the uh, – <laughs> it went to 22. Um, the Rose Bowl. I used to just grow up wondering, like, why Why do all these people just love the Rose Bowl? Why It's just like it's talked about like it's just so romantically good. And then I've become one of those old people, and I, I don't care who's playing in the Rose Bowl. I'm going to watch it. No. It seems to be good so often. There's been great games in it. The sun looks good. <laughs> the stadium looks good. It's always the best announcers. And so I'll watch Penn State and Utah, and we'll see what happens. Who's going to win that game? Who cares? You that confident in Utah? Who cares? I am, <laughs> but who cares? Uh, I I am not a romantic on the Rose Bowl. Keith Jackson got me there. It was last years and that thing. Somewhere along that line is when I switched when I switched over. It's when I grew up. This is just this is old souls wanting you to care about bowl games. That's who cares about the Rose Bowl. It's a good game a lot of years. Remember back in the fifties when it was, you know, Ohio State versus USC? Yeah, and then we all grew up. Like this game sucks on ice. It's bad. They have a crappy parade before it, and then they play a I, crappy game. I do game. not care about the parade. That's true about that. Hey, everyone. It's the Rose Bowl parade. Cool. The only thing more boring than the actual game. I, somewhere I switched over. I used to be like you. Now. Here's the thing. It's not even the best Pac-12 and the best Big Ten team anymore, because usually the best Big Ten team is in the playoff. Because they're in the playoff. Yeah. It's been that way for a while now, but... Every three years when it's the semifinal, it's, it's extra, extra. It's good. lame because the Rose Bowl wanted to hold us hostage over an expanded playoff. They gave, they gave up. They let us out now. We're good. Yeah. That was when I was like, okay, well, then we need to put the granddaddy of them all in a retirement home and just leave them. Lock, <laughs> leave them in the retirement home and don't go visit them. I was fine leaving without them. I was fine with that concept. That was one where I was like, the Rose Bowl is really overplaying their hand. Like, what is to prevent college football from like, okay, deuces, thumbs, peace out, Cub Scout. We don't need you. Like, yeah, you're not going to get the Big Ten or the Pac-12. See ya. Yeah. Now, now the Rose Bowl game is Arizona <laughs> State. Mountain West. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's going to be Air Force versus Ohio. 
<laughs> so that's our breakdown of the bowl games. We'll be back with another podcast before the national championship. So we'll uh, pick that up there. Uh, we'll see who George is playing. Uh, the NFL action was awesome this weekend. I saw very, very little. I watched the like third, the fourth quarter of the commanders game. That's all I had late Sunday. Mm-hmm. I was completely tied up, but man, to come off that world cup game and have all the excitement of that and all the buildup that they had there, it rolled right into some, what, how many overtime games were there and, and just some great stuff on Sunday. But that was after Saturday where it had the biggest comeback in NFL history happen where the Vikings came back from 33 nothing down to win on Saturday. It just, it was a good NFL weekend. It was. Um, I still don't know how the Colts managed to lose that game. It's because the other guy uh, on the other side coaching uh, was like fishing a couple weeks ago and doing TV spots here and there. Hmm. Like maybe you need a guy that's been in a room. Like maybe maybe you need a real guy that's qualified to be head coach to be a head coach I don't to know. understand how to hold on to a lead. I mean, they won their first game in, and that was fun and exciting. They've lost everything since, including the biggest lead to keep come back on. And then that's true. So that is embarrassing. Not that, working. that little it's not fact. working. That little fact is Matt Ryan. My Matt Ryan. He's part of the biggest regular season yeah. comeback. Of all time, and now, and also the biggest Super Bowl comeback of all time, and he's on the bad end of both of them. Yeah, Oof. that sucks. Um, now he beat the Hokies one time, and it really pissed me off. But <laughs> in a comeback, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was that was an amazing finish. Um, and then on the I, Sunday, I didn't see a play of that game—that's what's sad about it. I didn't see one play. Sunday, you had all those one-score games going into the fourth quarter, and some pretty exciting finishes there. Um, Dallas losing in spectacular fashion. And what I was thinking had to be the worst way. Who could have predicted that the Jaguars would beat Dallas? Wait, let me look at the pick here. Let me see who picked. Yeah, I did. I had them. I had Dallas losing. Cool. Congrats. (laughs) You you predicted a wide receiver falling down and tipping the ball in the air so some guy could pick six. Um, which I thought was like going to be the, the absolute. I saw it coming. I thought that Dallas. was going to be the most absolute heartbreaking way to lose a game on Sunday until the Raiders Patriots game. <laughs> so in good. which case, in which oh, even it. now I'm like, what was the plan there? Like, <laughs> we're just going to lateral. <laughs> we're going to lateral it. It was a tie game. You did not need to score on that play. You have overtime waiting for you if you don't score. And they're just laddering the ball. And on their lateral that's supposed to go back to the quarterback, it gets picked off. And then the linebacker's like, my dream. I get to plant the quarterback with a stiff arm into the ground and score a winning touchdown in the same play. I saw the clip where it, like, took that and it turned it into Little Giants where that big kid just like, oh, takes yeah. the nerd kid and runs him <laughs> over and plants him in the ground. It's like, that's exactly what happened. It was it's the craziest into a game I have ever seen in my lifetime. Um, yes. I think it's up there with the Stanford band is on the field uh, in terms of just zany, because at least that wasn't. I mean, there were laterals in that play, but it was necessary. This was just completely unnecessary. This would have been behind and won the game. They had nothing to lose. If they don't get in the end zone, they they lose. 
It's right. Like overtime. Yeah. Game this game. game, this game is going to be tied if the Patriots don't score on the last play of regulation. So for whatever reason, the the plan is we're going to hook and lateral all the way to the end zone. But they come up with it. It wasn't the coach's plan. It was the guys on the field just doing it. I guess. But then it's you know what? Then you know what? You have the dumbest players in the history of the NFL. The dumbest players the coach, in the history of the, the NFL. The greatest coach to ever coach the game is part of is the head coach. But he, happens. but his Love offensive it. coordinator is Matt Patricia, who until this year hadn't coached offense, had yeah, coached defense, I, I love it. which is love amazing it. in itself. It. And it. I, I just, I don't know. Like, I imagine someone gets murdered in that locker room. It was the dumbest play that's ever existed. I, 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 that's, you were talking about the greatest World Cup final, the greatest championship this is it. being hyperbolic. This is hyperbolic to the other end. I dare you to find me a play that's dumber. At least Chris Weber thought he had a timeout. I don't know what the hell was going on in this game. At least calling a timeout there is the right thing to do. Yeah, it's the right thing. Unfortunately, you didn't have any. <laughs> yeah, that's the right thing to do. Unfortunately, you didn't have any. In this situation, it is never the correct call to just start lateraling the ball. Yeah, because the only thing that could the the percentage of things that could happen that happening is a higher percentage than your little hook and ladder charade working. It was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. And when I saw it, I was like, yo, what are they doing? I was like, does someone not realize that they don't need this? And then when he throws that pick, I was like, please score. And he stiff arms the quarterback. And I just laughed. I laughed out loud. That. And let me tell you, it couldn't have happened to a better city because Boston fans are just the worst. They're the scum of the earth. And so for them to have to watch their team lose in that fashion is just amazing. <laughs> the scum of the earth. Just playing them all. I Yeah, I loved it. It was great. We, we call high school football every single week of the fall. And it's the Let me say, if that's if that happened during a high school game, we are extra careful to be as nice as possible, even when something we think is incredibly stupid happens. We go above yeah. and beyond. Just, I'm telling you right now, if that ever happened and we were on air, I wouldn't have been able to hold it in. I would have been like, what in the hell are those kids doing? And can we make sure they never get on a field again? That would be embarrassing for a high schooler. And this happened at the NFL. And I will give him credit. He answered questions after it. There was other people surrounding that play, including the head coach for his team, that, like normal, just says three words and act like you're stupid to even ask a question. Yeah, we're on and the I next game. At all. No, we're not. That, that kid that threw that pass wrong, because that's how old I'm getting now. I'm calling this grown man playing NFL a kid because he's probably 15 years younger than me. I he's, He answered. He said, and I mean, he said honest things. He said, not just canned answers and I, so I I will give him credit. So did he not but realize the game was tied? Thing. He it was the dumbest thing ever. He said he messed up. I I mean well, I, I give him credit. I give him credit. Yeah. Yeah. I will well, say dumb, Bill Belich, I didn't see any of the post game stuff because I was like I don't Oh, he had fire in him. You could hear you could see the smoke coming out of his mouth. Like he was just oh, it was so I would have actually had more respect for Bill Belichick if one of the things he had said is, "Look, stop antagonizing me i'm trying not to murder those people like (laughs) i'm trying not to go to jail for this like please stop (laughs) asking me questions like and they have playoffs on the line they gotta win that game (laughs) 
<laughs> if that if that play costs them a playoff spot, that will be the best thing to ever happen. That will be the best thing to ever happen in the history of the NFL. If that costs them a playoff spot, it's going to like like when they don't make the playoffs oh. by one game. That oh. is what you point to. We've had Super Bowls go into overtime. We've had a couple insane. Now, we've had insane games go down to the wire. Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen showdown in last year's playoffs. This will top all of that. If if the Patriots yeah. don't make the playoffs because of that, They're that will be out. the best thing to happen in the history of the NFL. Bar At seven and seven, you're one game out. Oh my gosh. Better than Justin be Tucker making that field goal. The and the Dolphins. Yeah, better than Justin Tucker making a record-long field goal in Detroit last season. Better than the mile-high miracle that Joe Flacco had. This will top it all. The Patriots losing because their players went brain-dead <laughs> with a lateral play absolutely unnecessarily, and they turn it over and lose. And Mac Jones gets stiff-armed into the ground like an idiot. <laughs> you had to know. Here's the best part. Mac Jones had to be thinking, what are you doing? As the ball's coming back to him and it gets intercepted. And you, I, he's not mic'd up. Oh, God, I hope he was. But even if he wasn't, I don't need to hear the mic'd up because I can already tell you what the words were. Oh, Bleep. And he just gets stiff armed into the ground as the Raiders score the winning touchdown. And the crowd is like, the crowd's not even as loud as it should be in that moment because they're like, wait, did that? No. <laughs> just count? Yeah. <laughs> did the rest blow the whistle? What happened? <laughs> oh. To end the night was that Commanders game, and they got then the referee. They got hosed. That was Twice. awful. The referee thought it very clearly. You can see the receiver on the outside step up there. He's not on the line of scrimmage. He points to the referee on the outside. He tells him to move up. He clearly moves up right then. The referee gives some kind of assurance to that you're in good position. And then as soon as the play is uh, started, throws his flag for that guy not being on the line of scrimmage, illegal formation, complete bullcrap. As a former wide receiver, where the only thing that I did at Riverheads football was make sure I didn't was lined up correctly because I wasn't getting the ball any other any any anyway. Someone's running the ball to the end zone. I'm gonna out here stock block. All I gotta do is line up correctly. That is absolutely horse turd that the official did that to him, and it's so messed up. I agree. I thought that was awful, and it cost the Commanders the game. It might cost them a playoff spot because if they had won that game, they're in the driver's seat for a playoff spot. Now they're on the outside looking in and they're going to need some help. Yeah, they're right on the line. They're right on the line there because that tie, they're the oh, half yeah. game in or whatever, but they get, they get messed up after that too, because the pass interference on the last play of the game. And I know the officials just swallow the flags on those last plays. This wasn't a hail Mary. This was a legitimate play right there. And it wasn't even questionable if there was too much contact, there was continued contact on that from the defender to the receiver, the entire possession. And as the ball's coming in, he has him bear hugged where he can't even get his arm up. It's just obvious pass interference. They, they got to do something in the NFL to at least give a team an opportunity for that, that obvious of a call to get corrected. And we saw Minnesota or uh, Minnesota, like completely laid a guy out. Wasn't it Minnesota? Minnesota in the, it happened like, in Minnesota. The Raider, the Rams guy blew up a Minnesota oh, player. Yeah. And then they ended up 
going to the Super Bowl that year to yeah. lose to the Patriots. Like, you got to be able to, like, something egregious happened. If you see that on film, can we get that overturned? And there's got to be a – I mean, it's just – games getting decided like that. It's just a lot of the line, and it makes the league look terrible. Well, and then what, what also hurts is the NFL will come out um, either today or I didn't see if they did yeah, today. We were wrong, but nothing. Changes. Or tomorrow. Yeah. Sorry. Our bad. And like, that doesn't help. And, and there's millions and millions of dollars on the line. And here's the other part that's going to get bad. And I do think this is going to maybe make officials unions and referee unions and umpire unions upset. The more these leagues tie themselves in with gambling, the more that's going to need to be corrected because what happens in that instance is you're going to have some people. There's going to be invest. Like the more this happens and the more egregious it is, there's going to be investigations. Yeah. And, and it's going to get to the point. Like, is this fixed? Was that fixed? Did that referee blow that call? Did he have money on the game? And there's going to be investigations and God help them if they get caught because then the league is in trouble. The official, not only is that individual official in trouble, the league is in trouble. Why? There's so much money in this league. Why can't they have full-time officials? Like, why do they have these guys playing lawyer and insurance salesman during the week and then come referee on the weekends? Why can't they just full-time pay these guys so that they have no reason then to hold them to a higher standard? And there's no reason for them not to be better prepared and make the right calls. And, and under, I mean, just all of it. Everything they go with them being a full-time referee that could make them better and put more into their craft like why? Why there's, you can't tell me there's not enough money in this league for them to just have a umpire. Like every other sport seems to have full time referees. Like g- give me another sport where the referees aren't full time. Well, they don't play once a week for starters. Um, okay, but like what league is making as much money as the NFL is and can easily afford to do this? I hear you on that. They should. I, I do think it's weird. Um, and I and think the last time questions. you wouldn't get the questions of like, well, what was this guy? Was he, I think he still would though this week or was he, you know, selling insurance? Sure. I, I do wonder if you'd still get these questions. Um, but I also think, and this goes to all other sports, um, on really terrible, terrible decisions like this. And like in major league baseball, when it's just obvious that the umpire screwed up, the worst part is Major League Baseball will insult your intelligence and tell you you're wrong. Um, yeah. See that video of what just happened? It didn't happen. Yeah. No, he didn't get touched with the glove as the guy gets slapped in the face with a glove. He was safe. I'm like, okay. Um, but when those happen, there needs to be repercussions to those officials. I'm not saying you can't, like, fire them, get rid of them. They're never allowed to officiate again. But maybe you do suspend them when it's really bad because then put them under a bridge in a box. Then know? when then when you go to the review and stuff that this is supposed to get corrected, maybe it gets corrected. Yeah, and maybe I mean, you actually, do go to I review. Mean, mistakes happen. Mistakes do happen. But when you have review and you have the technology to fix it, it's frustrating when it doesn't happen. And I hate the people that are like, "Oh, human error is part of the game." <laughs> no, it's not. Human error is the New England Patriots. What happened to the New England Patriots? Human error is not an official inserting themselves into the game to determine the outcome. And that happened two, basically two times in a row. Happened to the two times same within a team in the last minute of the game to the same team that absolutely should have beaten the New York giants, or at least had a chance to tie the game against the giants. Had the opportunity. Yeah. 
all the Commanders fans today that are upset about it deserve They're to right. Be They're right to be pissed off. It was terrible. I want to run through college basketball real quick. I was excited that the Hokies got their win um, the other day, but not much to say there. They're still ranked in the top. I think they're 22 now. I haven't updated these rankings. Uh, the one I want to talk about, this is what I got to. UVA, they lost to Houston. Not an embarrassing loss. I mean, this isn't, no, they were in the a, game. you know, some huge. Yeah, they're in the game. Houston's a good team. They're a top 10 team. UVA stays a top 10 team even after losing. So I think nothing to jump overboard about. Um, and it was a big time game. There was That was the biggest game of the day. There was a later game with Arizona and somebody at like 11 o'clock. That was also like a top 10 game, I think. But um, yeah, some big basketball. They lost this one. That's the good thing about basketball. You get that big tournament at the end. You're going to be in at UVA. You got a lot of ACC games to play. You can be ranked number two, maybe number one, even with that loss at some point if you do your business in the ACC. So nothing to get too worked up about. I agree. I think um, I actually came away more impressed with UVA in how they handled themselves with Houston because they started off with a 9-0 lead. Houston couldn't make anything. And then once Houston started making shots, they just didn't stop. Like they just kept popping shots left and right. And the defense was to blame for some of that because they had some open shooters, but some of that was just Houston's a good shooting team. And yeah. and they ended up beating UVA, but UVA hung around in that game, which kind of surprised me because once everything started falling for Houston, I was like, all right, it's about to, you can hit the Bon Jovi here in a minute. And mm-hmm. to UVA's credit, they hung in there and they, it didn't get to that kind of game. So good for them. And um, yeah, it, it does make me think that you know, with the Virginia Techs and the Dukes and Miami is a game that they have coming up. That's going to be a big game because Miami looks pretty good to start the season as well. Yeah, UVA definitely has a harder start to the ACC season with that uh-huh. Miami opener. Yeah. Um, or I guess it's their second. I guess it's everybody's second game, but into the chunk of the season. Right. Um, but I-, I will say North Carolina had a big win against Ohio State this weekend too. So it looks like maybe yeah. North Carolina is starting to figure it out a little bit. Um yeah. Which they again, a lot I think, of talent there. They're... I think you and I both figured UNC at some point in the season would turn it around and and be competitive. Well, They're not going to be a team. Wait that misses a minute, the did tournament. Ohio State make every one of their shots though? They didn't. Um, oh wow, they and didn't, still... and that was the reason they lost to North Carolina. Um, yeah, it's the only reason North Carolina wins is when the other team doesn't make all of their shots. Well, so that's true. The Hokies somehow got through, not making all their shots, and still beat UNC. But it, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, though tech women, they did fall to Notre Dame. It was number six number versus number four, Notre Dame, a great team, a great program. They won a national championship not that long ago. Uh, Virginia tech only falls a couple spots with that loss. Uh, still a great, still a great team. <laughs> still going to be great. Still a lot more games they could have another, you know, it was like the first top 10 matchup for women's basketball in a long time at tech. They're probably going to have another one on New Year's Day uh, when UNC comes to town. And that's the team they beat last year in the ACC tournament. That was such an exciting game where Shepard did all that stuff down the uh, stretch. That was so fun. So, um, yeah, that was that's on that's coming up. But, uh, yeah, I was disappointed that they lost, but not the end of the world. Same thing for UVA men. Same thing for Virginia Tech women. They lost this week. Not the end of the world. Yeah, I would agree. And uh, for UVA women, they're still undefeated. They beat Morgan State. Yeah. Handily, and they're like right outside of the top 25. They'll play Duke, which is a big matchup uh, coming up this week. JMU's women survived against Hampton. They'll have Eastern yeah. Michigan before they get into Sunbelt play. Yeah. And uh, VCU's women uh, lost to Gardner Webb. They'll have Tennessee Tech. And yeah. 
if they win that one, possibly a game the following day at the Tulane Holiday Tournament uh, before they have Howard as their final non-conference matchup on the 28th. So let's jump to the D block. Uh, so what was dominating my life uh, every December, uh, but especially this last week, uh, the Nutcracker from the State Academy Ballet that my mom runs. And I've talked about it before, and uh, it was another great year of it. I have a great stage crew back there that I uh, help run, and uh, it was good. It was a nice moment. that I. That's why I'm bragging about it. My middle daughter is taking ballet, and she was in the Nutcracker. And it was cool in the opening of the second act that my daughter was on the stage while my two nieces were on the stage, so all three of them on the stage at the same time. That was really cool. And I'm sure there's pictures of it uh, from everybody that was snapping them. And then also uh, earlier when um, during the battle scene of the Nutcracker, my niece was the mouse king. My middle daughter was one of the mice. And so that was really cool to see. And um, yeah, it was some of those precious moment kind of deals there. So uh, enjoyed that this weekend. And that's a lot of hard work, but uh, those moments make it worth it. And also for all the other little kids that are out there and having their moments and their parents are happy to see them and sisters and brothers up on the stage. It's, it's cool to see. So uh, we had that this weekend. That's what kept me from all the sports watching last week. That's what kept me this weekend from not seeing any NFL action or fully watching the world cup, but it, overall worth it. Yeah. Um, that sounds like a great time. And uh, I know that's an annual tradition for the McCrays and, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to talk about a couple movies I watched that I said I wanted to watch. And I got to this past weekend in between all the sports, which tells you exactly how productive I was this weekend. Um, but one was Pinocchio. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Um, it's different. <laughs> it's not it's not the disney pinocchio i'll say that right off the bat if you're it's like still. if you're going into like oh man disney pinocchio loved it can't wait not that um <laughs> and not not necessarily in like a bad way um in some instances but considering this dude maybe not his last movie but the last movie i remember him having was like there's this water man that is having a love interest with a human. Woman. Oh yeah. I, I haven't seen that. Not surprising that this is a little different. I haven't seen that. Um, it wasn't Aquaman. I don't think it was Jason Momoa. I think it was a different film. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the name of it any right now, but um, I know what you're talking about. Anyway, this one is Pinocchio. I'd say overall, I liked it. Um, I thought it was good. It was a different version of Pinocchio. Um, like, the main premise is the same. There are some minor changes here and there, but overall, the story is mostly the same, but it's just, it's stop animation, um, and I actually thought it was pretty well done, and I liked it. Um I'm never going to watch this movie. Just just a heads up. Wow, really? Never? Yeah. You're uh, never going to watch Hamilton for some reason. I'm never going to watch this. Yeah. We might have to have a bet in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> but Shape of Water. Shape of Water was that movie. That Shape of Water was that movie. It was very weird. 
The second one <laughs> that I mentioned is Emily the Criminal. <sighs> this one I cannot recommend. Um, Aubrey Plaza is in it, and oh yeah, you were excited about this. Yeah, I like a lot of what Aubrey Plaza is in, but this movie just didn't do it for me. This one I felt like. There are some societal points, I guess, trying to be made in the movie, but the character is just so, at least from my point of view, unlikable. That it's hard to be like, yeah, good points is for society there. Um, <laughs> so the main the main premise revolves around. Good job, society. Way to hold her down. No, it's I, I'm saying it's like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Society needs to think about that. Like, I'm like, yeah, but you're a poop human being. So maybe not um, like you deserve. You deserve <laughs> but no seriously, like so the the premise revolves around Aubrey Plaza's character who is convicted of a felony assault before the movie starts. Um, and so she can't get a job. And. Because nobody will hire her. And it's alluded to that it was in self-defense of somebody else that this person was abusing. And then she beat up the abuser but got arrested for felony assault. Um, So the problem is what she turns to is credit card fraud. And as you would. mm -hmm. (laughs) And so like. The the first thing that pops in my head is these people are having their identity stolen. Like, what did they do? And, like, it's just she runs into other shady people, and it's just, like, even when she's, like, kind of a victim, and she has these moments where she overcomes it, you're like, yeah, but you're not a good person either. Like, I don't know. And, like I said, there's a point Maybe to where, like, okay, she was convicted of felony assault, but she deserves a second chance because, you know, she was defending this other person who was a victim of abuse. She was defending him, blah, blah, blah. Somebody give her a second chance. And it also comments on, you know, one of the people that's going to give her this chance offers her an unpaid internship, but wants her to work full-time hours. And you're like, yeah, that sucks. Like, living in New York City, that would be really hard. Or L.A., I'm sorry. Living in L.A., that would be really hard. And, um, you know, Aubrey Plaza's character mentioned something like, it's really effed up for you to expect somebody to work full-time and, and not pay them. Um, and goes on this diatribe and... You know, I was like, yeah, I agree. That is a messed up thing that some industries still do and we shouldn't do. I don't think that's right. But then again, I like turn and she's like, well, guess it's back to credit card fraud. And I'm like, well, guess it's back to me not really caring. Like, (laughs) I just, it's really hard to get attached to this person and feel like a positive thing. So, (sighs) You always tell me, man, I, I have my complaints about TV shows and stuff. I'm like, who do I root for? And everybody's negative. And you're always like, not everything has to be happy. So see, this is how I feel on all this other stuff. This is how I feel watching Yellowstone, honestly. But I don't think the story is that good either. Like, I guess that's the other problem. I don't think the story is good enough to overcome you think it. You jump around story and 
you know, storylines that have no purpose, you know, like Jamie's kid. Uh, you know, you think, Oh, I forgot that that kid existed. Yeah. You forgot that that kid exists. Cause they only needed him for three episodes last season. What are we? Yeah, that's fine. I'm not going to get into Yellowstone right now. I still think, I still think there's some good, I think there's good enough storylines in Yellowstone. This there, it's a movie, which I think is part of the problem. And the the storytelling doesn't die before he dies. Overcome it. Um, I don't know. I haven't watched the last episode. So if he dies, I haven't either, but I've seen him have cancer and cough and blood and get, get shot, shot by a million multiple bullets times on the side of the highway and it's interesting um people love it i think you're being a hater um i, I watch it i just like i've lost motivation this the, i tell you what you're going through right now is exactly how i felt the last three seasons of game of thrones yeah, I was hate I watching it. I don't need dragons. The storyline just sucked. But see, for me, that's the difference. Like, you don't like it because you don't like the characters. I don't know. One character. The only storylines I hear from that show are brothers and sisters inappropriately. So I don't I don't need. I don't no, need no, 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 no. I'm talking about I'm talking about Yellowstone. The reason you don't like it is the characters and you don't feel yeah, like you have somebody common. to root for. It's probably common in that show. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope not. Um, but in Game of Thrones, it was the storytelling. I thought the characters had been fleshed out in the earlier seasons pretty well and had done, they'd done a well job, but that was when fleshed the books... Out. Yeah, they had died books. They had the books to go off of. And now it was just like at the end, it was like, whoa, all the things you loved about Game of Thrones disappeared. Like the unpredictability of it, it got so predictable in the last three seasons. It was like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna take this character right up to the edge, and then yoink, they're not gonna die. They last second save. Oh yeah, just the cliche BS that you hate in every other show and movie. Like that's the what they did. Approach. Yeah, and and these guys are hacks. Like I'm sorry, the guys who finished Game of Thrones, they were so heavily relying on the books. They're just hacks, and everything else they do is hack ish. It's terrible. They took over the Star Wars stuff. What happened? It sucked. Like, they're terrible. They suck at their jobs. They're not good movie writers. They got a lot of credit early in Game of Thrones for all the work George R. R. Martin did. And George R. R. Martin, don't think you're going to get out of this because your fat ass could finish a book once in a while. That would help, too. You've been sitting on that book for how long? Hurry up and finish it before you die. My gosh. Sorry you don't scream... You don't scream longevity of life right now at this point. <laughs> 500 pounds and like 80 years old. Great combo. It's a miracle you survived COVID. Hurry up and write a book. All right. For the what I know that you need to know, I got two different questions. I don't know if you have anything else to talk about. How much time you got? <laughs> <laughs> I got two questions. You can throw whatever you want in them. Uh, the next two weeks, we're not gonna have a podcast next week. We have a lot going on these next two weeks. Everybody does because mm-hmm. it's Christmas. What are you most looking forward to over the next two weeks? Gosh, I don't know. This year, more than most, just seems to be a rat race. Um, there's a lot going That's on. My issue with Christmas. That's my issue with Christmas. I normally it's not though, and normally I love it. And I love this time of year, but this year it's different. This year is just like the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. And it's, there's just a lot going on. 
a lot of places I got to go, which I don't like. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I am very much looking forward to Christmas with my family. I'm looking forward to Christmas Eve and watching the Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, I am looking forward to the weather forecast improving a little bit, although not ideal. That'll be all right. You'll be fine. Um, I I am also looking forward to New Year's Eve, going to a Caps game uh, nice. with a group of friends for our friends' Christmas um, and a slash birthday get-together for one of them. Um, so that'll be fun. And then um, we're going to have a great time. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, sounds fun. I always like uh, at Christmas the 18 hours from, I'd say, 8 o'clock Christmas night on uh, where we kind of get home from Christmas Eve stuff, which is great, which is nice, good stuff. But we get home and it's just uh, our crew at our house and we have some traditions on Christmas Eve of reading Night Before Christmas that I grew up with. Uh, We get some Christmas pajamas, but then also, you know, prepare for the overnight visitor that's come in and and all the magic that comes with Christmas. And uh, it's just a fun process. And I really enjoy uh, having that. And then the waking up and seeing the results of the magic and all that stuff. So it's, it's always a fun process. And those 18 hours, you know, kids going to bed and, and then waking up and, you know, there's just a lot of memories from that time and, and fun stories. Uh, so it, it's just a great time. And I like that. And our Christmas day is kind of worn down to where we're home for, for like that 18 hour stretch. I know we're sleeping for some of it, but, uh, you know, it's, it's home time and quiet time and, um, it's nice and there, it's not quiet. There's a lot of screaming and excitement about gifts that <laughs> Mike forgot and all that. So it's good. So, uh, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to that, that kind of stretch from, uh, late Christmas Eve into the morning and into midday. That's, that's my favorite. Yeah. That'll be cool. Um, what's your second question for me? What stood out to you in sports particularly since we're a sports podcast. What stood out to you in 2022 wrapping up the year? This is the year wrap question. Yeah. I got a list. You can, you can steal one or two if you want them, but that's, that's I the see your list. Um, but then it doesn't stand out to me. It stands out to you. Um, yeah. So what stood out to me is I, I guess what may end up being a temporary love of baseball being reignited um, with the Orioles. Yeah. Cause they had a great fun. 2022 season despite yeah. selling at the deadline and still almost making the playoffs and then being told we're going to have liftoff and in the off season, this is the time to push. And now it looks like that liftoff was like the play nerf rocket that you pump up and then it goes like 10 feet in the air and crashes back to earth. Um, that appears to be what he meant because we've done Jack this year in the off season at the winter meetings. And it's just all that goodwill that was bought up with the fan base has quickly soured. And, and you can tell like folks are starting to get mad. Um, expectations. And like today we re-signed Michael Givens, who was a good reliever the last time he was in Baltimore and he's okay now. But I just I'm dead inside 
Like that that <laughs> signing, I was like, I don't care. Like Adam Frazier was another one where I was like, okay, I, I don't. What do you want me to do with this? Like, I don't even really want him on the team. Adam Frazier. Like I, if we're gonna suck and and not try, it's can we at least? Pirate. What's your problem with it? If if we're not gonna try, <laughs> can we at least not try with the talent the with the young kids and, and the talent behind us? Like, can we do that? Because I don't want to see Adam Frazier, MLB journeyman, come on the field. He's like, yeah, you know. And, and I'm already getting the, you know, the PR pieces from from Orioles writers and and Masson, which is their job. I I get. Um, they're employed by the Orioles, but of like, you know, oh, he's already calling him Hider, and he's already part of the clubhouse, and he's gonna be such a fun atmosphere. I'm like. It's all fun atmosphere until opening day, and he goes over four with four strikeouts. Like, then it's not fun atmosphere. Then it's boo, get off the field, you suck. Um, and I just don't need that. Like, if we're gonna go over four four strikeouts, let me see a young kid do it. Like, I don't need to see MLB journeyman who has no future in Major League Baseball do it. So I'll hit you with my high school ones that stood out to me first. Uh, the Fort Defiance girls sports, it really jumped off the page to me when we were adding up all the Yak Sports Cup stuff that the Fort Defiance girls sports was so great for them. I think five of the six district championships they won were girls sports. I'd say softball and volleyball. There's trips to states I thought was really impressive and good. And, and they have a lot to build on. And so I was really excited about that. It really stood out to me this year how good – the girls sports at Fort were. I say the girls sports uh, at Fort were almost good enough to to win the Yak Cup. Win the Yak Cup, yeah. They were they were minor behind Wilson, who was winning it in a lot of different sports. So uh, yeah, really really impressive. Uh, and then you know, I know it's overstated. We've been talking about it a lot lately, but I think it is impressive that Riverhead football was able to maintain. Uh, you know, I know they hired from within. I know it was Ray Norcross stepping up from you know his big role the whole time to the, the one chair up to the head coach, but it's hard to do. It's hard to maintain that level of play um, when you transition the head coach and uh, they did that. And I think, I think it deserves that attention. It stood out to me that they were able to do that and continue this run. And I think I've hammered in the last couple of weeks, how impressive winning 10 state championships since 2000, I think how impressive winning seven straight is. And it just, I don't think you can do a year end thing without mentioning that, especially in a year where, things did change a little, you know, it was a changing of the guard a bit there. And so uh, I think it deserved attention. Yeah. And I guess piggybacking off of that a little bit, um, Kansas city and the chiefs better hope that riverheads does win a championship in two A next year, because they won the AFC West for the seventh season in a row. And I can't help but think it's because the riverheads gladiators won the state championship. For the seventh the year in a row. Yeah. So if Riverheads doesn't win the 2A championship, that's when you put your live odds on whoever's second place in the AFC West to come back and beat the Chiefs for the division. Is it that going to be the Broncos? Because I doubt it. Probably, Probably not the Broncos. I guess that, <laughs> gosh, when you look at that division, oof. maybe yeah. good news for Riverheads. <laughs> you got any other, any other sports ones that stand out before I go to my college ones? Um... Yeah, I do. Um, I would say that another sports thing that stood out to me was I think this was a great year 
in terms of women's sports. I mean, when you look at sure. all the ratings uh-huh. ac- across across the spectrum, a lot of them are going down except for women's sports. Right. Now, the pessimist would say, well, it was from a lower figure, so it had to go up. Okay. Didn't have Whatever. to. Whatever. No. It didn't have to, yeah. but it did, which means that there is more interest coming in women's sports, which I think is a good thing. Um, and, and because it helps... You know, I I think one of the bigger problems in the income discrepancy that we see in terms of athletics is viewership, butts and seats, advertising dollars. That's what it is. That's that's what drives salaries in these sports. And I think the increased viewership in women's sports can only help that. I think every time you look, you know, whether it's women's volleyball at the NCAA level, that goes up. Women's basketball at the NCAA level, that goes up. WNBA the goes up. The softball, softball, softball goes up. up. All of those are going up, which is fantastic, and I, I think it helps increase that. It helps close that gap. And I will say, in terms of, um, I, I think you see, and and maybe if there is any benefit, um, it it shines a light on what they've unfortunately had to go through this long is it shines the light and be like, well, okay, I get maybe they're not making as much money, but in terms of WA in particular, why is their percentage of the pie less than the NBA's percentage of the pie? Like that's a question that's being asked now that wasn't being asked before. And because the women's national team shine the light. Yeah. And I think that was necessary. And so when you look at, um, the men and women, yeah, the the soccer team in particular, collectively bargaining together, which I thought right. was odd not to do anyway. Um, but now that they are, that makes more sense. That that pay makes more sense. I think the WNBA, you know, I don't know what the actual percentages are, but if the NBA players are making, let's say, thirty five percent of the pie, right, in terms of profit. 35% of that goes to the NBA players and the Players Association. The WNBA is not making the same percentage. It's far, far fewer, less percentage. So I think saying, I understand at the end of the day, the top WNBA player is not going to be making what the top NBA player makes. I get that. I understand the financial side of that. But in terms of percentage of pie this percentage of the pie goes to WNBA players this percentage of pie goes to the NBA players that should be the same that that should make sense and that should be equal um yeah and that's the part I think that because of increased viewership and increased attention we're going to start we're starting to pay attention to now yep I the one argument that I really liked and that I think has been proven true is was kind of the argument of Hey, you say no one watches. It's because you don't put us on. You, you don't. You don't put us on. People can't watch, and uh, so you've seen some. You've seen ESPN kind of make that effort to get them on and in decent times and dedicate some Sunday afternoons and stuff like that. And people are watching. So, like, you know, if if you put us on, they'll watch. Is absolutely true, and and I love that, and I love that it's there for my girls to watch too. So yeah, I think that's great. 
moving over to my college stuff that stood out to me this year, uh, Hokie basketball, both guys and girls really stepping up. Um, last year, last March was really fun where the guys had struggled early in the season, but then came on during the season and then won the ACC tournament. That was awesome. The girls the week before that making a run in the ACC tournament was really fun to watch beating good teams along the way. And then that's rolled into success this year for both those teams. So I'm really excited about the emergence of Hokie basketball on both sides with coach Young and coach Brooks, local, local legend, coach Kenny Brooks. Um, so love that. And then also really locally JMU, their transition to the Sun Belt and the FBS football, it absolutely stood out to how well they've handled that transition. They, their success has raised a lot of eyebrows and raised attention to how the football side of things transition and what the rules should be and should be looked at and whatnot. And that's, that's going to probably be a legacy of JMU football. Uh, Cause at some point they're going to make some adjustments there. JMU won't benefit, but they'll have caused it. Uh, but then across the board and other sports, uh, a lot of women's sports, but every sport seems to be having success in the Sun Belt and, and playing at that level. So uh, I think that has to stand out. And it's great that locally um, we have this college so close to us and they just immediately step up to what's supposed to be harder competition and they're ready to go. And so I, I love that for the university and my wife's alma mater and that we have access so close to us and it's your alma mater. Um, so yeah, it's awesome. And I, I think that's a national story of how well JMU has handled this transition. And it's a good example, you know, that you don't necessarily just jump the first time you should do. I think JMU maybe should have jumped sooner. I, I kind of do, but it's absolutely working now. And, uh, I, you know, it's not a negative now. So, uh, it's, it's good planning and, uh, they've optimized, uh, how they've come up and transitioned into, FBS for football and then the Sun Belt Conference overall. So, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, they've done very well in terms of the majority of their sports and transitioning. And FBS football went pretty well for them this season. And I, I think there's no reason Volleyball, for them to think Ooh. that they couldn't be a favorite to get to a Sun Belt championship next year. And yeah, like you're saying, you volleyball see that darn was great. graphic today, though, that like Fox Sports put out that was like the only oh, FBS yeah. team to never be in a bowl game. And it's like, Texas State, somebody else, and JMU. And it's like, you idiots. <laughs> like, they're not eligible, yeah, which isn't They've really fair. They've won enough games to be in a bowl game. They're just not eligible. Like, come on. Ugh. But that's Fox Sports. I mean, after watching their World Cup yeah. coverage, not surprising that they, they don't would even blow understand. that. They don't get it. Um, they probably didn't research that. Um, they were too busy trying to figure out how they can keep her by Meyer on the staff. But, yeah, um, I, I've been pretty impressed with how JMU has, has done it in volleyball, and I would expect softball to be very well tested this season. And women's basketball looks to be off to a good start. Men's basketball is off to a good start. We'll see yeah. how they finish up. Scoring a lot of points. They are scoring a lot of points. Um, haven't played anybody. Haven't played anybody. Given up, beat anybody. Giving up 70 to LIU is a little, almost 80 is a little worrying. But we'll see what happens. If their approach is to go out there and score 100 every game, if they do that, they'll win a lot of games. Yeah. So to my number one has been uh, something that's really stood out, made me happy, is uh, the uh, increase in quality and coverage for VCU sports this uh, this past year. 
I've been really excited about the women's sports broadcast, the baseball, the uh, soccer in the fall, some volleyball in there. Uh, the women's the women's basketball team has not kicked off to a, a great start this season, but the broadcast has just been flawless. Uh, but yeah, your the excitement about what you've been doing this last year, and uh, we were like a two minutes into a broadcast together, our first time sitting in uh, the Hatcher Gymnasium there at Stanton. When I realized you were a pro at uh, at this broadcasting stuff, and I've tried to get out of your way ever since, <laughs> I've tried to grasp hold of uh, the talent that you have in this, and uh, but also not be in your way. And uh, I've been happy about your increased role in sports broadcasting that you've had this year. And uh, it's absolutely one of the things I've been most excited about this this year is your advancement in your career and your dream and you're living the dream in a lot of ways. And, uh, and I know you still have eyes upward and you should, because you're awesome at this. And uh, I've been excited about that. And I just wanted to use this moment at the end of the year to say that and let you, uh, let you hear those words because I've been excited about it. I've tuned into a lot of games just to, <laughs> to hear your voice calling them and watch some mass and watch some TV and see TV Joe. And uh, it's been exciting every time I designed my uh, lawn mowing this summer around your baseball schedule and being on air. So, yeah, absolutely excited for you this year, brother, and uh, hope you keep on moving up, which I know you will because you deserve it. I appreciate that. We're going to have to cut that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're not going <laughs> to. I appreciate that. Um, it has been a lot of fun. Um, and I thank the people at VCU for putting me on those games. Um, and and I am having a lot of fun there and enjoying win or loss, win or lose for the VCU side, uh, enjoying calling games. And I've had some exciting ones uh, this past season um, and this past year. Into the dark, into the darkness, right? Into the night. Into the night. Um, that was into this the year. Night. That was so good. I was watching that one live too, man. Um, that was this year against UVA. <laughs> Just made it even better. Um but yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun this year, and um, you know whether it's baseball or or soccer or women's basketball or the occasional men's game, um, it's it's been a lot of fun, and um, looking forward to doing that again into twenty twenty three. Yeah, looking forward to listening. But thank you for the kind words, and thank you to anybody who does get on ESPN Plus or Masson and watch the VCU women's basketball games and and baseball or soccer. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, and you know, again, would remind you to, in case you don't know, um, sometimes they are, you know, people from that area, uh, nine times out of 10, if it's on ESPN plus, that's going to be the case. Um, so, um, but I enjoy doing it. There's a lot of other great broadcasts and a lot of other great games and broadcasters out there. And, um, definitely, support VCU sports um, because they've been very good to me and I appreciate that. Yep. It's been awesome. And I, I, you know, I get jealous of your uh, analysts that sit next to you because I, uh, not that I really want to be sitting in that chair because I don't want to drive to Richmond every night like you do. Um, But uh, they do, you got some good, you got some good. I like your girls basketball um, Mm -hmm. analysts there, a consistent one. The ones you're consistent with. Yeah, Jacinda, uh, Alston yeah, is my great. partner for women's basketball. She is very good. Um, former VCU player does a great job. I enjoy calling games yeah. with her. Ed Nixon, I've called games with. Very lucky to call games with him. And Demetrius Means, who's the guy we started with. 
uh, last year. Another, um, I've called games with him before. Um, very good friend of mine. You're a good friend of mine. I've called games with you. I've been very lucky in terms what? of Am I? I people I've called a, games a with. Radio friend. I'm yeah. Radio podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The guy I do podcast, the guy I do radio with. Um, but no, I'll eventually be the guy in the past. And so it's, I, it's exciting to see you work with good talent and for the moving into the future. To so, go back to that story, I do. I remember the uh, first game we called was East Rock in Stanton. I think it was a region championship, maybe. It was a good one, too. It was um, a good game. It was a packed house. And um, we were getting ready to sit down. And you're like, all right, um, you know, I'll, I'll open up the <laughs> pregame show. And uh, I didn't know you you know, this is how we do it. And you go here and go here. And I was like, okay. And, um, <laughs> and we went, we hit that first break and you're like, okay, you know what you're doing. And, um, <laughs> I, yeah. So I do remember that it did make me laugh. Um, because I had, but like you saying that I didn't think anything of it either. Cause I was like, all right, new station. Like, this is how they want to do it. Okay. Um, good to know. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> that first that first tournament run was was special yeah, that too because that was that, uh... that was not only them beating East Rock in that ball game but then um they made the run playing Gate City going into double overtime against Gate City yeah JMU that was crazy at JMU and then the next night they go into overtime to beat Dan River mm-hmm. and then it was Amelia which was a, not as good of a game but uh they had no trouble with with Amelia, and it was a state championship for them. Um, that was an exciting run for the first first time on ESPN twelve forty. Uh, the first run there that was exciting, and then of course that fall was the fall that they go to a state championship of football. Um, lost to Appomattox, but Riverheads wins a championship. Yeah, on the way back from the state semi that year is when uh, I put this podcast together in my mind. You didn't quite know yet. But that's that was the drive home from that the drive there and the drive back. We talked the entire time arguing about everything. Like we we rarely agreed, even on hokey stuff. We were disagreeing. That was when you were a believer still. I got home from that and I was like, there's something there. There's something that, you know, tens of listeners might want to listen to. So <laughs> that was the, yeah, that to was our the tens of listeners, podcast. we are happy that you are with us <laughs> and um yeah, we're happy to have our tens of listeners, even um, <laughs> Rob Ron um, over at Shando Awards and Apparel and and the people he forces to listen to us Jeff. over his uh, speakers at work. Yeah, appreciate Jeff and John Leonard and Patrick Kite and every other guest that comes on and, and occasionally listens to us. Um, My mom, number one fan of yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We appreciate all of our listeners. It's been a great year. We hope you have had a great year. Um, I know it hasn't been the smoothest year for everyone at all times, but um, we hope that 2023 is better. (laughs) We hope that 2023 (laughs) is better, and uh, we hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays for whatever winter holiday you do celebrate. Wherever you are, we're glad that you listen to the Exports Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you don't miss another episode. You can find us on Twitter. That's YAC Sports Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Or you can shoot us an email if you're old school, yaksportspod at gmail.com. Be sure, again, to subscribe so you don't miss another episode. 
Happy holidays to all of our listeners and a happy new year into 2023. We will talk to you in 2023. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.